Welcome to Chat NDT with ASNT, a podcast from the American Society for Non-Destructive Testing. I'm Debbie Siegler, the host of the podcast. Today I'm being joined by Brian Fry. I hope you enjoy this conversation that I had with Brian. Many of us that work in the International Service Center come from a variety of non-NDT backgrounds, like marketing and publishing. But we're lucky to have some seasoned NDT colleagues, and we enjoy hearing their stories about working in NDT. Brian Fry has shared the story of his first day on the job in the NDT industry with a few of us, and we thought that you might enjoy his story as well. Welcome, Brian. It's good to talk to you. How did you first learn about NDT? Um, I guess I just kind of lucked into it. I was working at a concrete plant, kind of not really going anywhere with my life. And uh, one day I came home and there was a flyer in the mail from Spartan College of Aeronautics and Technology in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it said I could earn a quality control and non-destructive testing degree in as little as eight months. And that was my first... Uh, First time I ever heard of non-destructive testing. It's a it's a pilot school. It's an AMP mechanic school, and they also teach a quality control and non-destructive testing uh, course. And they have an associate degree in quality control. So I know that you've shared that you have a story. Uh, basically, it's year one, day one, NDT story. Can you set the scene for the listeners? What was the year? Which company hired you? How did you get the job? Uh, yeah, I came back from school. I graduated from uh, college, had my associate degree in non-destructive testing. It's feeling pretty good about myself. Came back to Ohio. Um, back in those days, we didn't have the internet, so I couldn't search for jobs on the internet. I had a list of companies, so I just started calling around. Got an interview in uh, Columbus with a company called Conam Inspection. And uh, went in interviewed. They hired me. And uh, I was set up to start on Monday. I was ready to go. And uh, they called me that Sunday night and uh, said, hey, can you uh, come in a little bit early on Monday? And uh, I thought, sure, what time? And they said, how about 3 a.m.? We need a helper to go to an oil refinery and be a whole watch for a storage tank inspection. So, you know, I was excited and there were some several unfamiliar words there, but I said, okay, I'll see you at 3 a.m. And uh, (laughs) so I guess I just go with the flow and see where it leads me. Um, I got up at uh, ungodly hour in the morning, got there 15 minutes early before 3 a.m. and there was no one there. I didn't have a key to get in the shop because I was a new guy, so I waited in the parking lot about 3.30 a.m., a couple of guys come, come stumbling in, half asleep, and uh, they introduced themselves as the tank crew. Uh, so by then, I was wide awake, probably annoying the tank crew with all my questions, but uh, they got their coffee and started waking up a little bit. And then we loaded all the equipment into the van, which smelled like a combination of diesel fuel, motor oil, sweat, and gas station food. So... You know, we piled in and headed up the road. 
Did you know where you were headed to? Uh, at the time, I had no idea where we were going. Um, I knew we were going north. That was about it. So you just get in the car and, and you're along for the ride. <laughs> yep. Pretty much just sat in the back. Um, I think everybody but the driver was asleep except for me. Um, I couldn't sleep. I was too excited. And how long did it take for you to get um, from Columbus to wherever you were headed? So it was about a three and a half hour drive um, headed to an oil refinery in Toledo, Ohio. Um, got there just in time for uh, safety. What was your first impression of the oil refinery? Had you been to an oil refinery before? Uh, no, Debbie, I, I had never been to an oil refinery. I don't even remember ever seeing an oil refinery before that. Um, it was, there was, a, it's a huge facility, a lot of smoke, a lot of steam, um, a lot of storage tanks. It was, it was, uh, it was an overwhelming site. And then what happened once you, uh, you got to the oil refinery? Well, we got there just in time to get into safety training. Any plant like that, you got to go through an extensive safety training presentation. There were a lot of things, uh, they were talking about lockout, tag out, MSDS, LEL, H2S, a lot of words I had never heard before. My head was just kind of spinning. I thought, well, the tank crew probably has all this memorized, so I'll just uh, go along with them and do what they do. Was there anything that they were talking about during that training that you had even heard about what, during your uh, training at Spartan? Um, I, no, I don't remember any any kind of safety training at Spartan. No, it was all strictly NDT. Okay. And so did you feel overwhelmed? Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, there was, it was a lot to take in in a, I don't know, two, four-hour class. Okay. So now you've finished the training, the safety training. And what happens next? We finished our safety training, and then, of course, the tank crew took a quick smoke break. And then we headed off to the tank farm, which was another new term that uh, I was learning. I was super excited. For those that don't know what a tank farm is, can you tell us? So a tank farm is a place where they grow large steel cans filled with things like gasoline, oil, and all other forms of hazardous liquid and gas. Uh, sometimes they have fixed roofs, sometimes there's floating roofs. Some of them don't even have a roof at all. But uh, a lot of the, the ones that have floating roofs on four-foot supports are my favorite. Why? Because uh, you get to bend over all day long while you're working inside the tank. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so we got to the tank farm. Uh, we had to go to the control room and sign in. We got a radio which was sweet. I thought I would be, uh, you know, on the radio all day talking to the new people, breaker one nine type stuff, but, uh, that didn't really happen. So we, we drove right up to the tank, got out, took a look around. Uh, it smelled pretty bad. To be honest, it was my first time smelling what a storage tank smelled like. What did it smell like? <laughs> it smelled like motor oil, gasoline, Little did I know I would not be able to get that smell out of my clothes for days. Um, there was a, a small hole to get into, 
and uh, I was looking around at a couple of guys on the tank crew, and I thought, trying to do the math, I didn't quite figure out how they were going to fit into that hole at first, but uh, somehow they got in there. Uh, how big was the hole? Can you describe it? Uh, it was probably a 36-inch manway, just a round hole. Kind of got to contort yourself to get into. What did it look like watching the guys getting into that hole? <laughs> well, they squeezed in there somehow. You kind of put one leg in first and then duck the rest of your body in. It's, uh, it's an art form. And so now the guys are climbing into the hole. So we got out, got into the hole and uh, a bunch of equipment. So we had to carry a bunch of equipment out of the van and put it into the hole so that they could uh, do their inspections. All right, so we we got all the equipment out. Um, all the tank crew guys got into the got into the tank. I handed a bunch of equipment into them, and uh, I was all excited to get my my position as the whole watch started. And uh, and then they just kind of disappeared into the tank, and there I sat for the next two hours doing absolutely nothing but waiting for them to come out. So the, the whole watch wasn't near as exciting as I thought it would be. But uh, it, is a, it is an important position because it is a safety position. If something goes wrong inside the tank, then the whole watch uses the radio and calls for help or uh, you know, things like that. So that's, that's the important position. Did the guys talk to you at all? Or you, they basically they disappeared into that hole? What, what, were, what kind of tank were they in? So the tank was an 80-foot oil storage tank, and, um, you know, they were doing types of inspection like uh, magnetic flux evaluation. Uh, they use equipment called an MFE. It's a tank scanner, so they scan the floor for corrosion on the underside. Um, a lot of visual inspections. There's a lot of visual inspection in tanks, and they also do... Um, Thickness readings, you take thickness readings, ultrasonic thickness readings on the inside, on the outside, and they do what's called vacuum box inspection, which is where you create a vacuum and you look for leaks in the in the wells in the tank. You mentioned in your synopsis of your first day uh, something about uh, your credit card not working. Can you talk <laughs> about that? Yeah. So the, the MFE equipment is this huge, has these two huge magnets on it. And uh, when you pick it up, it takes a pretty heavy piece of equipment back then. So when you pick it up, uh, if you get it too close to your phone or your credit cards, it kind of, the, mag the magnets kind of wipe it out. So, um, you know, I didn't know how to carry it and I handed it in to them. And next thing I know, my credit card doesn't work, which was probably a good thing. So now the guys, can you talk about, okay, so the guys are in the tank and what happens next? Like they're finished with their inspection. So they're in the tank, they're working, uh, you know, half of the day. And then at lunchtime, they asked me if I wanted to come in and do some testing with them. I thought, great. You know, I spent all this money on my schooling. I finally get to do some NDT. So they said, well, we're going to let you do some vacuum box testing. Thought, wow, that sounds super exciting. So I hopped in there, and if anyone's done vacuum box testing, you know how exciting it really is. 
Um, you're basically on your hands and knees crawling around the tank all day, moving this vacuum box from spot to spot to spot and uh, looking for bubbles. So it was super exciting. Well, what was it like being inside a tank? Was it, it's a confined space? It is a confined space and it's uh, dark and it's, it's a lot bigger than you think. Once you get in there, there's plenty of room to move around, but uh, it's dark, it's dirty, it's smelly. It's a lot of fun. Did you think you were in over your head or were you overwhelmed crawling around? Did you think that, is this the right job for me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that definitely goes through your head, um, but it was exciting. Uh, there was a lot of new things to learn. And, uh, you know, being my first day, I didn't, I didn't pass too many judgments on day one, but it was, it was definitely hard work. Um, I knew I was in for a lot of hard work, but uh, I was definitely in for some excitement. So then what happened? So did you discover any flaws while you were doing your inspection? Um, I did not find any leaks with the vacuum box testing, but um, one thing you will, you do see a lot in storage tanks is corrosion. Um, a lot of topside corrosion on the on the plates and underside corrosion and holes in the tank, um, leaks. There's all kinds of stuff. There's a lot of a lot of different things you can find in a storage tank. And so, how long were you in the tank? Well, it was about a 15-hour day by the time we were done. So I was wore out after working, uh, you know, 15 hours in the tank. We finally called it a day. And uh, I thought we were headed back to, to Columbus and come to find out they had more work to do the next day. So I ended up uh, getting a hotel room and staying the night and getting to know the, uh, you know, the tank crew guys and hearing all kinds of crazy stories about where they've been and what they've done and you know, all the different experiences they've seen. And uh, that really kind of opened my eyes to how exciting NDT could be at that point. And, uh, how many different opportunities I would have. And uh, it's been an amazing ride since then. Do you remember any of the crazy stories that they told you? <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, a lot of the stories were, were about, uh, you know, uh, friendships and, and guys getting to know different people and how small of a, an industry NDT really is. And uh, a lot of stories about shutdowns and and uh, working in combined spaces and heights and all kinds of fun stuff that I would learn about later on. So then uh, you talked about that during lunch, it was the best sub sandwich you'd ever had. Can you talk about that? Uh, so the tank crew took a, took a break at uh, lunchtime and we, uh, we went to the control house, signed out all the safety stuff that you have to do. And we headed out to get lunch and uh, there was a sub place there in Toledo, Ohio. And it was the best sub I've ever had. And I don't know if it was just because they have great subs or, or just the excitement and the energy and everything, but uh, the sub was just delicious. And every time I go up there, I go there and get subs. So you finished your 15-hour day, and what did they tell you? At the end of the day, uh, end of a long, hard work day, 
Um, I'm ready to go home. Uh, I've been up since, you know, two, two o'clock in the morning. I'm ready to go home and sleep in my own bed. And the tank crew says, did you pack a bag to spend the night? We got more work to do tomorrow. And I clearly did not had no idea that was even going to happen. So I said, no, but, uh, I went with it and, uh, we went and stayed in a hotel and got to put the same clothes on the next day and go back to work. And I think we worked half a day the, the following day and finished everything up, uh, put together a preliminary report, gave it to the oil refinery and headed back home. Uh, another thing that you mentioned is that you, when you were in the tank, you were given um, a pair of uh, coveralls. So uh, as the new guy, I didn't have a pair of uh, coveralls. And what you need for oil refinery is fire-resistant coveralls. So uh, they handed me a pair of coveralls that clearly were not brand-new coveralls. And they smelled like years' worth of storage tank inspection. And <laughs> so I got to wear those. They didn't quite fit either. But... Uh, uh, they worked. They got the job done. Okay. So the when you learned that you were staying overnight, um, what was the hotel? So did they have to ask permission to get you to stay? You talked about that. And like, what was the hotel like? What did you do that evening? When we finished up, they had to call back to the office to get permission from, the, from our supervisor determine whether uh, I could spend the night or not. I didn't have, typically you get out, you get per diem and then you pay for your uh, hotel. And the supervisors basically said, yeah, keep him there, get the job done, um, put it on your credit card and we'll reimburse you for the hotel room. So we went back to the hotel and um, wasn't the nicest hotel, but uh, you know, when you're getting per diem, you stay in a, in a cheap hotel and, you pocket a little bit of the cash. So we grabbed some quick dinner, had a few beers, sat around and uh, swapped stories. And I just kind of listened because I was, uh, as the new guy, I didn't have a whole lot of stories to tell, but I learned a lot listening to the other guys. How did they treat you? Um, well, you know, at the beginning of the day, I was a new guy, but uh, by the end of the day, I kind of felt like I fit in and, uh, they treated me pretty well, actually. And um, you talked about like smelling and being dirty. Yeah, after after the end of a, a day inside of a storage tank and in the coveralls and carrying the dirty equipment, cleaning the equipment up. Um, when we got back to the hotel, I went to take a shower. But fun fact, hotel soap is no match for storage tank funk. So... You know, after several scrubbings, I, I got enough of it off where I could, I could, I could live with myself. And what was the next day like? Uh, next day was pretty easy. You know, we went in, uh, finished up a few of the other things, um, did some work outside the tank, took some thickness readings outside the tank, and uh, on top of the roof, and uh, you know, packed everything up, cleaned everything up, and uh, headed home. Day one of NDT in the books, right? Day one in the books, 27 years later, here I am. 
Do you have any other, what is the next most interesting story that you experienced uh, during your NDT career? I think one of the next most interesting stories is at the same uh, same oil refinery. Uh, we got a call. There was a, a crack in the head of the reactor, and it was shooting fire up into the air. And, and I actually had to go up um, and was on call for about two days straight and went up there and <clears throat> tested the weld to see where the crack ended. They, they had uh, gotten the temperature in the reactor down enough to where you could... Uh, actually scan it and uh, I ended up scanning it and told them exactly where the crack stopped. Was this time where you in charge? Uh, I was there by myself. Yeah. I mean, this was a, several years later. I was doing ultrasonic shear wave testing and, uh, and yeah, they sent me up there by myself with uh, this shear wave equipment. They, they flew in another company from California to do an automated scan of the reactor head. But uh, once they got there, they couldn't get their equipment working. So I scanned it manually and mapped everything out for them and, uh, so they could do the repairs. How long were you with your first company? I was with ConAm Inspection for uh, seven years. And uh, in that time, I did a lot of different types of inspection. Got um, my NDT Level 2 certifications. Also got AWS and API certifications. And uh, it, was, it was a great beginning to my career. I got to go to a lot of different places and learn a lot of different things. And uh, I had a mentor named Mike Jones who helped me out a lot uh, early in my career to uh, get me in the right places and point me in the right directions. Specifically, how did Mike help you? Uh, Mike was a, a excellent teacher. Uh, he taught me, you know, different types of inspections. What types? Uh, we did a lot of, uh, I did a lot of ultrasonic testing uh, mainly, and we did shear wave. We did a lot of immersion testing. Um, he would send me on, on different jobs uh, just to learn different types of inspection, different, different parts, really, different plants, different parts, different applications. So Mike was, a, Mike was an excellent teacher, and he was someone that would take the time to show you how to do something and show you how to do it right uh, and then give you an opportunity to do it yourself and uh, and watch you do it and uh, you know that that relationship was was very important to me in my career because um, not having that you just you're just kind of learning on your own and, and with someone who's been there and done it and uh, and knows what they're doing it, it really makes a difference to do it right the first time and have the confidence to, to keep going, trying new things. What was the most dangerous situation you've ever been in, in, in uh, being an inspector? Yeah. The, the most dangerous situation I've ever been in, well, I was the um, skinny guy, and I was the guy who was not afraid of heights. So anytime there was a small confined space, they would send me in. Um, or if it was up high, they would send me. So I remember going inside a vessel at one point in my career in a chemical plant, and you could barely even get in it. And I just kind of scooted in all the way to take thickness readings. I kind of scooted in, and they pulled me out as I was taking thickness readings. 
Um, it wasn't super dangerous, but it was a confined space and there was really no way to move anywhere other than just scooting yourself. And I guess at heights I climbed, uh, uh, later in my career, I climbed a um, water tower. And when you get about three quarters of the way up, the ladder actually goes out. So you're almost hanging and climbed up there. And it was, uh, you know, that was enough water towers for me. Were you wearing a safety harness? Yeah, I had a harness on and I was, uh, you know, I was clamped off, but uh, still, it's just the, <laughs> once you get, once you get about half, three quarters of the way up, your arms don't, aren't as strong as they were when you first started. So circling back to your first day in NDT, what did you learn? What do you feel like you learned that day? I learned a couple of things. I learned that um, there are a lot of different opportunities. I learned uh, from from what I saw there and from what I heard from the guys that you know you kind of make your own make your own path in NDT. There are so many opportunities, and uh, if you're willing to go after it, you can you can go anywhere. And I learned that hard work pays off. If you're a hard worker, uh, you're going to get somewhere. You're going to you're going to work your way up, and uh, that's that's kept me going over the years. It's worked well. So, what would you, as the Brian of 2021, tell the Brian of 1994? <laughs> um, I would say just just keep working hard and take the opportunities when they come to you. Don't be afraid to try something new. Don't be afraid to you know, do new types of inspection and, and uh, definitely take the time to get to know people along the way. Well, thank you very much, Brian, for sitting down and speaking with me at Chat NDT with ASNT. Thank you, Debbie. I appreciate it. Well, I want to ask you a question. Okay. On the recording or off? Well, let's do it on the recording, and you can okay. if you want. Go ahead. Debbie, when's the first time you heard of NDT? The first time that I had heard of NDT, Brian, was when I applied for a job at ASNT. I had no idea what non-destructive testing was. I'd never heard of non-destructive testing. And frankly, uh, at the time when I was doing research after I saw the job, I still couldn't figure out what NDT was looking at the website. And then I got hired and it was quite the learning process and not having any idea how non-destructive testing touches every everybody's lives, how it touches my life from driving down the street or driving over a bridge or an overpass or when I go get gas at the gas station. I had no idea the impact of NDT or the industries that it's involved in. It is a, it's a critical industry and it's uh, amazing how many times you'll see people who just kind of fall into NDT. Um, as, uh, as AST has always said, we gotta we gotta develop a front door into NDT. How do you think people learn about NDT now? Um, I I think it's still people just kind of stumble onto it. 
it's so interesting, right? And and that <laughs> just a flyer shows up in your mailbox, yeah. and here you are, twenty seven years later. Yeah, I mean, some of my best friends in school there were one of them was from Indiana, one was from Arkansas, Texas, they were from all over the place, California. So do you earn any certifications coming out of school or is it really you're just doing the book learning? Yeah, you just get the classroom training. How long were you on uh, the job before you earned a certification? Um, I got certified. So you can get certified in the surface method sooner, magnetic particle and dye penetrant. I was probably certified in, in six months in those and maybe a year in ultrasonics. Were there like people hired after you? Were you, how long were you the new person on the job? <laughs> well, NDT companies like that are always hiring. Um, there's always new work and there's always uh, turnover. So I was, I was the new guy for you know, a few months and then more people were hired on. It was, uh, they were definitely growing in those days. So there was a lot of new work coming up. So once you finally got back to Columbus after that crazy two days on first day on the job that lasted two days, what was the next job that you worked on? The next jobs that I worked on were in the shop. We were actually an aerospace lab. And we did a lot of uh, ultrasonic immersion testing. So we tested, uh, you know, rotating engine parts. We tested raw materials like plates and bar stock. And uh, we did C-scan. We did a lot of different uh, ultrasonic immersion applications. So I, I really learned a lot about that uh, in the days following the, the first day. And where did you go? What, what, what was the job after um, this after this first one? Uh, after Conam inspection, I took a, man, a manager position at an engineering company in uh, Columbus working in the construction industry. So I kind of switched gears and went uh, went to full you know, construction inspection, which is you know high-rise buildings, structural steel, uh, a lot of welded connections, a lot of different applications there. That was uh, bridges. It was exciting. NDT is a, is definitely a working man's profession. So you better pack your lunch in a metal pail if you want to fit in and succeed. Refineries aren't as glamorous as I originally thought, but safety first is a real thing. And I have a lot to learn, and this indie thing, this NDT thing is going to be one heck of a roller coaster ride. Brian Fry has been an ASNT member for more than 20 years. He is an ASNT NDT Level 3 in MT. PT, UT, and VT, and has worked in the NDT industry for 27 years. For the past three and a half years, Brian has worked for ASNT, and in that time he has enjoyed working with many ASNT volunteers on various councils and committees. As the ASNT Quality Manager, NDT Technical Specialist, Brian maintains the American National Standards Institute, otherwise referred to as ANSI, accreditation for the ASNT NDT Level 3 program and the accreditation as an American National Standards developer. 
Brian has also been instrumental in developing the industry sector qualification and employer-based certification programs for AS&T. Thank you very much, Brian, for taking the time to speak with me. Do you have an NDT story that you would like to share on the Chat NDT with AS&T podcast? It could be a story about your first day on the job or your most interesting inspection. Send us an email that includes a brief description of your story. Send emails to podcast at asnt.org. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Chat NDT with ASNT. For more information about our organization, please visit our website at asnt.org. You can also connect with us on social media at ASNT Info on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. Chat NDT with ASNT is copyrighted by the American Society for Non-Destructive Testing, ASNT creating a safer world.